Hi there, and welcome to Hiking the Highlands, a podcast dedicated to all things fun and fascinating about the trails in our region of southwestern Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Josh Byers. Throughout this series, we'll be exploring not only the great outdoors, but the people connected to the pathways in the Laurel Highlands. So lace up your hiking boots. Let's go. Hi there and welcome back. I'm out here today on the uh, Laurel Highlands Hiking Trail in Laurel Ridge State Park and I'm joined by Kimberly Peck, the Environmental Education Specialist for the Pennsylvania Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. Hey, I got it right that time. You did, yeah. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Good. Yeah, we uh, we started from the Seward Trailhead, which is a left turn off of State Route 56 if you're heading north out of the city of Johnstown. So uh, this is one of my favorite spots to hike in the area. You know, back whenever I uh, moved to, back to Johnstown after uh, you know an extended stay <laughs> up in Clarion where I went to school, this is where... I used to come regularly because it was one of the only places I knew about, uh, which is fantastic because it's exactly what I was looking for. I mean, you're literally in the middle of the woods. You're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little more pristine and it's, you know, it's accessible. There's parking areas along the trail, but you can also get away from sort of civilization be more in the wilderness. Yeah. That's one of my favorite parts about it is because you start walking and, uh, you know, about whole, probably a mile, mile and a half out, you're surrounded by nothing but forest. Yes. There, there is no civilization <laughs> in any direction for miles. Yes, absolutely. It's probably one of the, the coolest things about this trail. The trail is 70 miles long mm-hmm. and it has mile markers the entire way, the little pylons. Like right, I saw that when we just passed. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's 70. So we're starting at the end of the trail. Yes. And hiking south. Yeah. Okay. And it uh, it extends to Ohio Pile, correct? Correct. All the way to Ohio Pile. So that wow. includes Cambria County, Westmoreland County, Somerset, and Fayette. Okay. So it is literally the, the Laurel Highlands Trail. Yes. Because those are the four counties that encompass the, that mountain range. Correct. So Laurel Ridge State Park is unique. We have property that, that we own, um, Laurel Ridge proper. Okay. You want to say it that way, about 14,000 acres. But then the trail traverses through Forbes State Forest, some private land like the Johnstown Water Authority, Seven oh, really? Springs. Okay. Yeah. So we have kind of like an easement that goes through. Okay. Which is kind of cool. Really unique. It is. That is really unique. And I, I know that um, I was trying to dig up some history on the, the park and the trail. Um, and... You know, there's some stuff on the DCNR website, but it didn't seem like there was too, too much. Um, I know the park was established uh, in 67, I think. And then the trail started being built about three years later. Right. Right. So it is unique. It's actually quite young when you think about state parks. Yeah. There's a lot of historic parks in the area, but the ridge is what we call a Project 70s park. Okay. What's that? (laughs) (laughs) So in Project 70s was an era of the early 70s where a lot of money was put into conservation, preservation of public land. Right. Ohio Pile State Park is a great example of that. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Many parks. So it's young. Yeah. So it doesn't have a super extensive history, but we started acquiring land in the late 60s. Okay. And then I think... 1974 is when the trail was dedicated. Oh, nice. Yeah. I couldn't imagine the the amount of work that went into (laughs) building a 70-mile-long trail. Yeah, it certainly wasn't a single entity. It was a cooperation. (laughs) Just as a note here, uh, because we're starting at the the end of it here in Cambria County. Uh, I think we're still in Cambria County, right? Yes. Okay. And... It is uphill from here. We are climbing, yeah. You're, you're going to hear me huffing and puffing <laughs> me here. Me too. <laughs> I remember a few years ago, uh, my wife Allie and I came out here and we did uh, this length of the trail uh, as our first day hike on nice. January 1st. Oh, yeah, great. <laughs> and we were hiking and, you know, we got about a mile out and two miles out. And I said, I just want to get to the next clearing. 
right? right? I just want to, that's where I want to go because there are several power line clearings on this part of the, this side of the trail that you get a beautiful view of the Connemaw Gorge. Connemaw Gorge, absolutely. After you just passing a split tree here. <clears throat> but I just kept telling her, oh, it's a little further ahead. <laughs> it's just a little further ahead. But she got so mad at me because it was, you know, 20 degrees outside. Right. And the, the snow on the trail was like sand because it had <laughs> been warmer the few days before. Yes. Oh, it, w- it was rough. <laughs> it can be challenging. And the Connemont Gorge is really steep. Yes. So both um, the trail goes from the Yakagani Gorge in Ohio Pile. Mm-hmm. The Connemont Gorge. Okay. I'm glad you pronounced that because I read it online on the uh-huh. site and I looked at it and I said, I know I've come across that word before, yes. but I can't remember how to pronounce it. Yeah, Yakagani. Yakagani. And we're actually passing uh, one of the first kind of uh, landmarks on yeah. the trail. It's only a few hundred yards up. And I believe it, it's a reservoir off to the right, right. that is. Owned by the Johnstown Water Authority? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's Big Spring Reservoir. Oh, okay. I never knew what the name of it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a neat spot, actually. It is. It's, it's gorgeous, especially right now. You know, we're here at the, really at the, kind of the height of fall in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, it's been a little later this year, so the trees are still very, very colorful. I was actually mm. thinking that driving through uh, Cambria City out of town and looking at the I guess it was Laurel Ridge Mountain, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You're (laughs) looking at the ridge. Absolutely beautiful hues of of gold and red and orange. And there's still some trees with some green on them. Yeah. I was thinking that too when I was coming up the mountain, kind of looking at the gorge on one side and the ridge on the other side. And it's so November out here right now. It's orange and yellow. (laughs) Yeah, it's really gorgeous. I was actually, I was really worried uh, with the storms we've had lately that we were going to have one of those falls that you know the, the rain and the wind are so strong that the leaves just drop takes all the leaves i know i suspected that would happen as well but luckily it did not we going straight up here yes okay. so what we're looking for um are yellow blazes the entire right. trail is blazed yellow you can see one just barely on that cherry tree there. okay yes so from any parking area or shelter area along the way the trail is blazed blue Okay. To get in, and then the trail itself is blazed yellow. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. And I think, that actually reminds me, I think I read it's every hundred feet or so, right, that there's a blaze. We do. What we try to do, if we can, is when you when you pass one, you should be able to see another. Okay. It's not always perfect, <laughs> but it's what we try. And the nice thing about it, so when you think about four counties traversing all of that land. Yep. 70 miles. We have a great volunteer group called the Ridge Runners okay. that help us do the work up here, okay. including blazing the trail, which is awesome. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so they kind of clean up things that they can take care of, trees across the trail, you know, using a small handsaw, mm-hmm. and then let us know if there's larger things we need to address. Okay. And yeah, for, for anybody who doesn't know, um, common terminology for hikers is a blaze, right? So. Right. It's typically some very environmentally friendly paint that is uh, marked on a tree in like a four inch long by three inch wide. Yeah, it's about rectangle. the size of a dollar bill. Yes, and it is <laughs> it is a uh, a hiker's lifeline because yes. without blazes, <laughs> you don't know where you're going. <laughs> yeah, particularly if you're looking right now and all the leaves on the ground mm-hmm. things blend in you do have to you can't so. see the trail on the ground as easily as you can other times of year it is absolutely gorgeous out here it i'll really tell you what it's nice one of my favorite parts about this trail is just how quiet it is you know you, you can stop and you just hear the wind kind of blowing over the mountain yeah. through the trees yeah absolutely it is a place to to get away kind of just you can bring thoughts or leave thoughts in yes. the parking lot whichever yeah. you choose but of course only leave thoughts and footprints yes please oh. <laughs> <laughs> and we do we're very lucky um you know we have increased visitation in a really big way on the Laurel Highlands hiking trail um, we're well over 100 percent with kind of the push of folks getting outdoors right within the pandemic and which is great to hear it's everything we dreamed of yes, yes. <laughs> it really is it's what we've always wanted but 
at the same time, we're looking to connect more with folks, let them know what we're about, mm -hmm. and make sure that the amenities that we provide are, are you know, working to be accommodating and mm -hmm. safe and useful. So it's a, it's a bit of a learning curve for us, too. Absolutely. And it's, uh, it's something that's kind of been a common thread through these podcasts that I've done. It's just really? talking about the increased usage of outdoor yes. amenities. Yeah. And how amazing it is to be in the Laurel Highlands when there's so many different opportunities there to are. do so many different things. Yes, we're so lucky. We really are. <laughs> in general, in Pennsylvania, we have a ton of public land. Mm -hmm. um, but in the Highlands, there's a little bit of everything. You can get to something more remote like this, mm -hmm. or just a simple, you know, pull off the road and take a walk at, say, Coozer State Park. Right okay. off of Route 31, not nearly as remote, but still a great walk. Yes. I don't, I've never been there before, but I think I've heard of it. It's a great spot. Yeah. And that's like, uh, we were talking about off of the sister route of 56 is um, 403, Kramer Pike. Which is just on the other side of the Connemaw Gorge, going out of town. And there's, uh, was it the Charles F? Charles F. Lewis Natural Area okay. in Gallitzin State Forest, yeah. Which I've hiked before. I was telling Kim a little bit about how it is challenging. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's beautiful. Absolutely wonderful. It is literally a pull-off on the right side of the road, about halfway up the mountain. And you just park and get out. There's two paths. To the left is a little wider. Uh, I think it's a little flatter, too. It goes up the mountain. And straight in front of you is this little goat path. And I'm telling you, it's a <laughs> foot wide. And it goes straight up the hill. And it's, you know, there's a mountain on your right. And there's a gorge on your left that goes yes. down into a stream. Certainly unique, but well worth checking out. Yeah. Cool. We're climbing again. I know. <laughs> I'm sitting here, I'm like trying to catch my breath so I can keep talking. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I'll tell you, that's the one thing that always fools me about uh, hiking whenever it's colder out. I think my car said it was about 41 degrees yeah. today whenever I pulled in. And I've got, you know, like a athletic shirt and a hiking button down on. And I'm wearing my raincoat and I figured I was going to get hot, but <laughs> it's so hard to tell. I know. My hands are cold, but I feel warm. Yes. <laughs> but I know that's one of the uh, kind of the golden rules of hikers. Is it's always better to remove a layer yes. than it is to try and add one and get warm. I have a, at least four layers with me today. Oh, gee. <laughs> so like you said, a wicking layer underneath, a mm -hmm. jacket over top, a rain layer. Yep. Yeah. Because in Pennsylvania, you never know what's going to happen. It's true. It could change quickly. <laughs> this time of year. Yeah. So tell me about yourself. Um, I think you said that before we started recording, you grew, grew up in Hollidaysburg. Yes. Um, and now you live a little closer to Ohio Pal, right? Right. Yep. Okay. Yeah, so I live on the southern end of the trail. So grew up in Hollidaysburg. And uh, as many folks from Central PA do... I went to Penn State. Ah, yeah. And I uh, was very, very lucky to have a great experience there. Um, my degree is recreation and park management. Okay. Um, environmental education. So this is right up your alley. You got your dream yes, job with I DCNR. Really <laughs> yes. Yeah. I um, Environmental education and outdoor recreation is what I specialized in. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I did. I landed the best job ever. <laughs> it's, it, it takes a bit. Yeah. Um, you work seasonally for many years. Um, I started at the Reeds Gap Complex. Okay. Which is just outside of, it's between State College and Lewistown. Mm -hmm. And then moved to Presque Isle and oh. spent a few years there. Okay. Met my husband. Mm -hmm. And uh, Also a park ranger? Yes. Okay. So he's law enforcement. Ah. And I'm education. Okay. So we never see each other. Okay. <laughs> we also work on 19,000 acres. So it makes it. Y yeah. You can go to your side of the park and he go to his. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we moved to the Laurel Highlands then in 2008. Okay. And let me just stop you for a second here. Yeah. We're coming up to our first uh, clearing with the power lines. Um, 
gorgeous today. It, it really is. Even though there's a lot of overcast, it's beautiful. You can still see uh, the other mountainside across the valley here uh, to our right. And we can't really see the rest of the Connemaw Gorge. It's on our left. But uh, I think at the next clearing, it's a little more flat, right? Yeah, I think so. After you, we're getting to another goat path here. <laughs> Only one place to walk. <laughs> so, uh, so you guys moved to the Laurel Highlands. What, what brought you here? Uh, job. Okay. Yeah. We both really, really like the area. Had both been here for trainings, and you know, had skied at Seven Springs, and um, very interested in water recreation and mountain recreation. And this was the place. So we said to each other that if ever an opportunity comes for promotion for either of us, mm -hmm. let's consider heading that way. Okay. And the opportunity came for my husband to take a promotion here and he was able to get that. And I had a lateral transfer then, which was nice. Oh, you know, that's so, good. Yeah, still interviewed, but basically the job I was doing at Presque Isle, that, that opening came here then. And I know that we, uh, we at the Tribune have talked to you before for stories. I yeah. think I, I saw Kelly Urban, our uh, life reporter, had just chatted with you in August about some stuff down at Laurel Run State Park? I, probably Laurel Hill. Laurel Hill, that's what yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. So we are a complex of parks. We have Laurel Hill, Laurel Ridge, and Cooser. Okay. Um, so kind of what that means as a complex is that um, the same management unit, the same law enforcement unit, um, they all kind of operate together. The same maintenance crew, the same cleaning crew takes care of all of those parks okay so yeah we're kind of unique in that we span four counties across the laurel highlands um we have a, we have a good sized staff we have a large park um you know the ridge is large laurel hill is about 4500 acres and Coosers about 250 okay. so certainly our smallest of the three i know that was one thing that kind of caught me off guard whenever i was looking up laurel ridge state park it's just the size of this complex you yes. know <laughs> I knew about the trail, I knew, you know, how long that was, where it went, but I didn't realize it was one part of a, a much larger natural area. It is, yeah. I mean, this, this corridor across the ridge has gotten uh, a lot of focus lately, too, um, just for, you know, for example, just the, the bird migration that happens across okay. this ridge line. Um, we tend to see... Um, a species that we're starting to see a lot of now, the dark-eyed junco. Which what in, in many, the world is that? I know, it's a small bird. <laughs> it's a small songbird. Um, kind of looks like it's wearing a hood. It's okay. kind of dark gray. The male is a bit darker than the female. Mm -hmm. And it has a light pink bill. They'll come to your feeders in the winter. But in most parts of Pennsylvania, you see them just in the wintertime. There are a hmm. few species that you know, their breeding grounds are north of us. Yeah. Um, and this is one of them. But here, because there's kind of constant movement in, you know, songbirds moving in and out and following this ridge line, mm -hmm. we see them year round, which is kind of cool. That's really cool. That yeah. is really cool. Yeah. Well, I know I've seen some hawks, turkey buzzards. Yes. And I ran into a bald eagle once. <laughs> yeah. More and more we're seeing eagles. I'll tell you, that's one thing I am fascinated by just in this area of like Cambria County because as a kid man I was lucky if I saw a cardinal you know it, it was mostly robins or sputzies or maybe some finches here and there sure but recently at least in the last probably decade or so it seems like I'm, I'm noticing more blue jays and and hawks and bald eagles yeah yeah the eagles definitely and it's Birding is a neat thing because once you learn a little, mm -hmm. you want to learn more. Yes. <laughs> and as you learn a bit more, then you start noticing things that you didn't notice before. Yep. So that could be part of it. We're going up another hill. We're climbing again. <laughs> <laughs> there is a great, when you look at the map of the Laurel Highlands Hiking Trail, Laurel Ridge State Park, there is an elevation profile at okay. the top, and it's a really useful tool. I think... It goes to the height of 2,000 and something yeah, elevation? Yeah, 20, 2,900. Um, Seven wow. Springs is the highest point. Yeah. And then it drops to 1,000. 
yeah, very close to Ohio Pile would be the the lowest right wow. at river level. Wow. Which is pretty cool. That is quite an elevation change. Yes. <laughs> and there are sections that are stay up on top that are actually pretty flat. Okay. Um, this is not one of them. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, you have to hike quite a few miles off from this side of, uh, right. of the trail to get to a flat area. Right. Hence the story of my wife going, can we turn around now? <laughs> you keep telling me it's a little further. Right. But we just keep going up the hill. I think right around three miles out from Seward is where you get that really beautiful clearing and that shot of uh, the edge of the Connemont Gorge. Gorge. And yeah. you see uh, the, the neighborhood of the West End. Right. And down towards Cambria City and the other, uh, the other side of the mountain. I mean... I just saw that, or I just got there, I think last year, actually right around this time, I was hiking with uh, my wife and a friend of ours, and we just kept going, you know? We had nothing to do that day, so we just kept That's hiking, awesome. and we got to that that vista and just stopped, you know? It's, it's one of the few times in my life where I can honestly say I was stopped in my tracks. Right. Because I was not <laughs> expecting that. Yeah. It's kind of fascinating what's in your backyard yeah we're coming up on a more interesting kind of attraction to after you yeah uh, this is our mountain laurel is that what it is it is yeah okay i i figured it was but i'm no uh botanist <laughs> yeah definitely so everything is named laurel around here right yes laurel Ridge, everything laurel mountain laurel summit <laughs> yeah and this is why it grows so well here. Um, it thrives. Is mountain laurel the state flower? It is. Okay. Yeah, so it's the state flower. Um, so you find it in most parts of Pennsylvania. And it's protected, correct? Somewhat, yeah. So it's really representative of the state. But if you have mountain laurel on your property and you want to move it, you can. Oh. That's fine, I know. Folks don't realize that. Yeah. There are even instances where we will remove mountain laurel. I mean, look here. I mean, it's everywhere on it's either everywhere. side of the trail. It can take over. Yeah. So it can push out other species and have a healthy habitat. You need a little bit of everything. Yeah. So it's gorgeous. It would bloom second week in June. It would be about right. I know I've seen the, the white flowers yes. that adorn the, the bright, or how I should say dark green leaves. Yes. And it is, it's absolutely beautiful. This would be a great place to be. Absolutely. So it's representative, and I guess in some ways you could call it protected because it's on protected land. Okay. Um, but it's not um, its not a species of concern in any way, obviously. Yes. <laughs> it's everywhere. So there are instances where we will take it out um, so that other things can grow with and create a that healthier habitat. Yeah, I'm glad you asked about that. Yeah, well, I knew that uh, that's... Like I said, one of the attractions, because we're going to come up on an area here where you actually walk through a tunnel of yep. mountain laurel. Yep. I always thought that was cool. Yeah, it is very cool. It does really well in this area. So the rocks that we're walking on are sandstone. Mm -hmm. um, makes for very acidic soil. Mountain laurel loves acidic soil. Huh. So does rhododendron. That makes sense. Closely related species. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you'll find some places in Pennsylvania that don't have the rocky acidic soil, that they won't have as much mountain laurel. So in the Laurel Highlands here, we're part of the Appalachian mountain range, right? Correct, yep. And I remember, and I keep telling everybody about this because I find it fascinating, <laughs> that I had recently read that the uh, Appalachians was part of one of the oldest mountain ranges in the country. Correct. That you can actually date back these mountains to Pangea and trace the range from where it ends on the east coast out on in Sweden or something. Oh wow. Yeah you can actually follow the mountain range as it runs up to the east coast and then where it split whenever Pangea separated. That's awesome. Yeah and that's why the mountains are so rounded because yep. they're that old. They're old exactly they're technically getting smaller Yeah. Uh, compared to others that are getting bigger. And that's just weather erosion. Yep. Yeah, this far south in Pennsylvania, we don't have any glacial activity. All right, we're 
we're back, you know, just taking a little bit of a break to catch our breath and finish climbing that little hill. Uh, Kim and I were talking about just the, the length of the Laurel Highlands hiking trail and the fact that there are people who run this right. and then there are other people who marathon it during yes. the, what did you call it, the competition? The, the Laurel Highlands Ultra. Jeez. Um, so they do the entire trail. They start right at the falls area in Ohio Pile oh. and come all the way to Seward. There is a 50K that's in there too that you can do teams mm -hmm. also, but most folks are running the entire thing. <laughs> Could and, not imagine. Uh, yeah, in my opinion, they finish it in no time at all. Yeah. <laughs> you said about 10, 12 hours. Yeah, you're running first, 70 miles. Right. The first folks usually come in somewhere around 10 and a half, 11 hours. Oh, jeez. Which is kind of crazy. Here we're coming up to that Laurel. Uh, so this is, yeah, this is really good. Oh, this is rhododendron. Yeah, so it's a little bit different. Oh. What we were in earlier. It was smaller leaves. You got it. Yep. Smaller leaves, but really a similar looking plant. Grows the same way. Did not Likes know that. the exact same soil. Huh. So, yeah. But it will bloom usually right before the 4th of July. The okay. last week in June, right around the 1st of July. Well, thank you. That's, yes, I always yes. thought this was mountain laurel. I didn't... And then it, it's often referred to as great laurel, so like a larger mountain laurel, which isn't totally off because it, it is really just a, you know, almost a similar identical species, but... I got a little... Yeah, the little cutout here on your left as you're going up the hill to, uh, to take a look at the gorge uh well you can mostly see it there's there's yeah, the top of it quite a few trees in the way but you can see through them this is actually i think where i scared the bald eagle that could be i stepped out onto this ledge here and he was perched up up on that yeah. limb and yeah, i just saw these giant trees. wings flap yes. away yeah <laughs> this is the time of year you'd see some eagles moving too um this is migration season okay and they, eagles don't migrate far if they leave. Um, so we might, you know, you might see an eagle year-round, particularly with some of the warming that we have. Um, but it might not be the same eagle that was here the entire year. It might just be one that was right. the north of us. I know there's a family on the hillside with the incline plane. And I know that in Coopersdale, uh, there's also... Now, I don't know if they're there anymore, but a few years ago, somebody told me that there was a family of bald eagles living nice. on that side. Yeah. Very cool. I would think that the Connemar River would welcome some eagles. Yeah, especially with how cleaned up it is. Right. You know? Yeah, and that's the return of eagles definitely in part relates to that. And just being smarter about um, pesticides. That was one of the biggest things that affected them is really? EDT. Yeah. Huh. So it was a pesticide that was used, herbicide. Um, I'm, I'm kind of familiar with it just from, you know, reading about kind of that environmental movement in the 60s and right. the 70s. Yeah. Uh, they were very against DDT that I think was eventually proven to, cause, to be very harmful to humans. Right. And so what it did for eagles is that they would still be fine, go through the whole process of laying eggs. Mm-hmm but their eggs wouldn't survive. Oh, the shells would be too thin. And for an eagle, a bald eagle typically doesn't reproduce until they're about five years old. Huh. So, and they only have a few, you know, very different from the, the robin in your yard that builds, yeah, that they you know, nest a nest regularly. Four, you know, maybe three times and at least four eggs. Yeah. And, you know, so they have a lot of young. Eagles do not, it's once. They don't do it multiple times. Interesting. Yeah, so it's a big impact. That explains the, well, just how the population dwindled. Right. You know, when you're being affected that significantly. And right. You don't reproduce that often. Yeah, they sit at the top of the food chain, you know, partially for that reason. They're protected for that reason also. Oh, I'm going the wrong way. I saw it. Oh, yeah. I think you're right. I think it goes straight so. up here. Yeah. I was probably looking at a deer path. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I think we're mostly on on the top of the mountain now because yeah, you can see through the trees at the ridge on the other side. It is a neat time to be here. Losing some of the leaves gives, gives you, you a better vista. Yeah. yeah. And all the rhododendron down in there. <laughs> yeah. So I know we talked about, uh, you know, you got into environmental education. 
But what, what inspired you to do that? Was that oh. something you've been interested in since you were younger? Or? So somewhat, my parents were certainly, I grew up on 20 acres, so we were outdoorsy kids uh, from the get-go. Yes. Um, and my parents loved to visit state parks. Uh, you know, raised three kids and it's an inexpensive way to get out and recreate on the weekends. Mm -hmm. So we certainly enjoyed that. But for me, I actually started, I played sports in high school and mm -hmm. was kind of leaning in that direction when I went to college originally. All right. Um, physical education, coaching, ah. thinking that. Mm -hmm. And then <laughs> I took a leave of absence uh, from my major and moved out west and uh, was a ski instructor for Vail Resorts. Okay. And then on the way back, I got to spend, you know, I was 21 years old. Oh, you just get to ski all day. <laughs> right, I got to ski all day, exactly. And experience a new place, but I got to visit national parks, bigger oh, really? parks. Which, which ones did you go to? So I, a lot of time was spent um, actually in the desert southwest, southwest mm -hmm. the high desert of Utah, arches, Oh, I've heard it's beautiful out yes, there. It's stunning. I think Utah has the most national parks of any state in the country. They may. They it very has well like may. 14 national parks or something. Yeah. Well, let me rephrase. Because you have to make the distinction between the national park and then national historical right, monuments national or monuments, landmarks. Exactly. Or, yeah. Because we actually have the Allegheny Portage Railroad right. and the uh the Johnstown, the 1889 Johnstown Flood right. Memorial, which are part of the National Park Service. And, Flight 93 as and well. Flight 93, thank yeah. you. Yeah. I always forget that Flight 93 is part of the National Park Service. I know. I know. <laughs> Probably because it's just, it's so new. You it know? is, yeah. And it, it's funny to think, you know, those that are much younger than us will always recognize it as that. Yes. Not remembering that day. Yeah. Which is kind of wild. You know, there's three of us that work as educators in this park complex. And I'm the oldest. I've been around the longest. We're all about 10 years apart in age. Oh, so yes. the youngest of us doesn't remember it at all. Really? She's only 23. Oh, she was geez. very young, you know? Yeah. Not old enough to remember, so it's wild. Extremely so. And I guess it's kind of like thinking about those who remember Pearl Harbor. Right. You know? Right, yeah. And they're talking, well, that was 75 <laughs> right. years ago? 76 maybe now yeah that's wild it really is just and it's funny because it's such a simple complex of time you know yeah but 20 years just trying to recall that right. and and reflect on it is fascinating it's kind of amazing so what kind of education uh, programs do you run in in laurel run <laughs> we do we have a little bit of everything um we work with schools we haven't done a lot of that well, with the times, pandemic right, and everything. Right. Um, we lead backpacking trips. No way. On the Laurel Highlands Hiking Trail. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Again, haven't done that in a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we hope to get back to it. Um, we do kayaking, um, day hikes, teacher workshops. Well, it sounds you weren't kidding when you said a little yeah. bit of everything. It's the best part of the job. <laughs> it's never the same. Every day is different. Definitely agree. Yeah, your job would be similar. <laughs> very, very... Oh, man. I lost the words. Everybody's going to have to bear with me. That was another hill. <laughs> oh, man. We got a great That's view cool. here. Look at that. Wow. You can see multiple mountain ranges here. It's kind of neat that we're really not that far away, but it feels far away. Who do you figure? The few mountain ranges over, you're in like... The center part of Cambria County. You're you're right. in the like New Germany area. So what we're looking at. So there are in this area there are three mountain ranges. So Laurel Ridge is in the middle. To the west is Chestnut Ridge, toward oh, Fayette County, yes. and then to the east is the Allegheny Front, and that's what we're looking at. Okay. Like you said, so toward. So after that, it gets fairly flat. There's still ridges and. Is the Allegheny Front kind of where? Um, I guess the the furthest eastern part of Cambria County where it right. dips down into Blair County yeah. then, over so Crescent Mountain. Yeah, so it would be Mountain. where Blue Knob Ski Resort is? Yes. It sits right on the Allegheny Front. Oh, wow. If that makes sense. Yeah, the, I know exactly where you're talking yeah. about. So that's a really great fly zone for raptors too. Um, there's awesome hawk watches along the way. Yeah, it's really neat. And then after that, the contour changes significantly. I'll tell you what, that was one thing uh, my wife and I just got back from a trip. We flew 
out of Johnstown's airport and connected in Washington Dulles. Yeah, yeah. And on the way back up, it was morning. So obviously mm-hmm. I'm staring at, you know, I'm plastered to the window. <laughs> right. I'm watching the landscape below. It only took 25 minutes to get from Washington, D.C. Yeah. back to Johnstown. Yeah. And uh, I was just staring down and you could see as I think we were coming up over like Bedford. Yeah. It was sh- the strangest thing is that the landscape was flat you know you could see little hills here and there but it was literally separated by these mountain ridges and it was just a spine that ran across the landscape as far as i could see and then flat rolling hills and then another spine Mm -hmm. and then we got into cambria county and i knew we were because it's nothing (laughs) but mountain like these valleys and mountain ridges yeah you're absolutely right right there um bedford shawnee state park is just they sit just on the other side of the allegheny front so that is kind of that line, yeah. somewhat of a dividing line, which is was kind of cool. And that would be obviously south of here. Um, yeah, it's a neat place, and that's why it's called the Highlands. Yeah. It really is the highest really mountains is. of Pennsylvania. Um, yeah, oh, I, I guess so I because here. Uh, Mount Davis then Mount is Davis would part be of on Laurel Ridge. Wow, yeah. I yeah. never thought about that. And for for anybody wondering, at the the southernmost point in Somerset County, right on the Maryland border is Mount Davis. It's the highest point in Pennsylvania. Right. I never even connected that yeah. it was part of Laurel Ridge. Yeah. So it's it's not in Laurel Ridge State Park, but it sits on that mountain ridge. So yeah. it actually sits in Forbes State Forest. Um, there's a great observation tower there. If you I've been there. See yes. It's awesome. Oh. Um, and it's wild. You can see West Virginia right yep. in front of you. You can see Maryland. Um, it's a neat place to visit for sure, but it does sit on this middle ridge wow. line. Yeah, You're teaching me so many things. Good, it's good, <laughs> but that's my job. Oh, I love this. <laughs> it's, it is neat. It really is. The Highlands is named so appropriately. Wow. And that's something that I think is often taken for granted by the people who live here. You know, sure. we, we look at the mountains, it's like, ah, you know, they've always been there. Right, right. But when you actually kind of look at it objectively, you realize that we have something really special. We do. We definitely do. And like you said, you know, you moved away for a while, and mm-hmm. when you come back... You see it even clearly, you know, more clearly. Yes. Um, Let's well, yeah. get up in Clarion. I, and I loved it. You know, you're up in uh, forested country. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say the mountains, but it's not really up in the mountains. It, no, it's not it's, the mountains like this. No. there's Yeah, grand forest for sure. Oh, uh, yeah, because Cook, Cook yeah, Forest. Yeah, Cook Forest, absolutely. And have you been there before? Absolutely, oh, yeah. It is magnificent in the, the old food. What's it called? The old growth. Old growth forest. Yes. Oh, the trees are, are 200, good. 300, 400 years yeah, old. Yeah. It was actually, if I remember correctly, Cook was a lumber baron who more or less clear cut that hillside, but he saved a, a patch of old growth for preservation. Yes. Yeah. It was the Cook family that, that preserved it. Yeah. Just proof that that's something to to take note of most of pennsylvania was completely locked isn't that such a shame to to think about the fact that at one time there were trees exactly where we're standing right that were probably 15 feet in diameter (laughs) at their base right you know these massive trees that were as old as the mountains but they were they were cut down and so we went you know we went through that industrial revolution era this area supported Pittsburgh, as we all know. Yeah. You know, and we didn't realize the harm we were doing at the time. Yeah. You know, again, like many things, it was, everyone was just kind of going with the flow. Yep. But eventually you run out. Yeah. <laughs> eventually, it's a it's a renewable resource, but not quite at that rate. No, you got to leave about uh, 100 years in between exactly. each Exactly. <laughs> and that's about where we're at now. Um, we're hitting that 80 to 100 year old, um, much of the forest in Pennsylvania. It is about that age, the canopy forest. Okay. Yeah, and so that's our kind of a new thing that we're looking at. So we've kind of been given a gift, you know. Because we have this brand new group of trees. Right, and so something that we're doing is approaching it, particularly in state parks, sister agencies like the Game Commission Mm -hmm. and the state forest do some, you know, some practices of this as well. We're entering into it more in state parks where we need to manage for all species. Yeah. For the trees, for the plants, for the wildlife, for the people. 
But that's the kind of the next challenge that we have is right because forestry is a very delicate process. It's, it it's is. a very well, precise kind of science. It is, and we're also learning to kind of to let the forest speak to us, which mm-hmm. might might sound a little strange. But to, you know, to do some management practices, maybe you don't do them on massive areas of land, but in small sections, we manage maybe a little bit for a certain species Mm -hmm. or try and increase habitat for this or that. And we do it in small landscapes and then suddenly we create this mosaic. Mm -hmm. So then we have some old growth here. Then we, you know what I mean? We have young successional forests, so small trees, um, really early stage successional, which would be like a meadow. Mm -hmm. If you have a little bit of that all in the landscape, you have the best kind of the best collection of biodiversity you can get. So species, there's going to be certain species that don't actually use the forest, yeah. the canopy forest. There's many of them, or even birds in their lifetime might not, they might need the early successional part for part of their, maybe for breeding. Mm-hmm. And then they need the canopy forest for foraging. Mm-hmm. So we're starting to learn that and managing, if we manage for multiple things and do it in multiple places to yeah. create a mosaic, we're finding really good results. That's so awesome. Yeah. And I think, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but you were talking about that and it kind of came back to me is that there is, um, what's the word I want? Like a rolling effect with a little bit of management. It then affects the other biomes next to it. Yes. And, and yeah. you just have That's this exactly uh, domino right. effect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that, and you want, you want different things to meet together. Mm-hmm. Hunters know that, Yeah. you know, you know, if, if you've spent time in the forest and kind of know that wildlife will often kind of hang out in those corridors mm-hmm. where one, you know, one successional era meets another mm-hmm. and that, you know, that's where you tend to see the most, you know, the most wildlife. So we want to keep that going. We want to make sure that we're, we're managing, you know, invasive species that we are, um, making sure that what is here is thriving and should be here when we find uh, species of concern or unique habitats mm-hmm. we want to try and take them back so that they can thrive there's a section of Laurel Ridge not far from here right now that is um, it's scrub oak and pitch pine oh. which is like that very like when you're driving south and you start to see the really scrubby pines yeah you don't see it a lot in western Pennsylvania central Pennsylvania you see it a bit more but we have a big piece of it up on the ridge and huh. luckily we have a natural resource specialist who who knew what he was looking at so yeah. we're trying to restore that you know because it's a piece of habitat that was there when um, it's so diverse compared to everything else right. around here yeah and so with a little so we're doing things like prescribed fire in our state parks and we're I know. Doing it's that funny internally. to think about that right I know, that, like it's it? okay to burn part of the forest yeah, like <laughs> absolutely it's encouraged in fact a lot of these species thrive in that environment mm-hmm. and we do a lot of suppression um, we've been doing it for many, many years mm. and for good reason. We mm-hmm. have infrastructure that we need to protect yeah. and, um, you know, obviously wildfires can be devastating. We know much about that. Yes. Um, so we do it in a more managed way. We call mm-hmm. it prescribed fire. So literally there's a prescription written for what you're doing, why you're doing it. And, you know, it's, oh, it's really? a very, yes, it's a very, um, very technical way of doing things, but it's also very efficient. So when we, it might be, you know, we do it with staff, with state park staff. Right. Cause it's not like you light a fire, then you walk away. Not like at there, all. <laughs> I think there are trenches dug around it and there's it. Yeah, tons we, of staff on hand to make sure. It, sometimes it can take months to yeah. prep an area for fire. Um, but once we do put fire on the ground and then come back and monitor, which we do on every piece that we, you know, we're always monitoring what happened, how did it go? What could we do better? Mm -hmm. What's thriving? What's not? Um, anytime we do that, what we know is that, you know, it might take say 25 of us to work that fire that day. And it might be a nice long eight hour day with folks out there. But what you get from that day is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, so you really, I mean, just the the work that it would have taken not applying fire would be very different. Yeah. Um, which is, is unique, especially on some of our grasslands and things like that, rather than, you know, spending twice a year brush hugging that. Yeah really the fire tends to work better <laughs> yes. in many situations and you end up with the species that you're looking for, Wow, um, which is neat. It's a really fun part of state parks. Um, for me, I've been doing this a long time. I started um, in education in 2003 okay. um, in state parks 
and you know obviously many many years later this is sort of our um, we've always been doing some of this but it's really taking hold now yeah. it's an exciting part of um, you know doing what some of our sister agencies are doing the yeah. Pennsylvania Game Commission has always been doing you know a lot of this but more and more they're using fire but again they've always had to manage for the forest and the species and we we've done that as well but we've sat on the side of preservation for a long time and mm -hmm. rightfully so we're yes. trying to grow the forest yes. back right <laughs> and uh, it makes sense but at this point we don't want a can you know having an entire landscape of 80 to 100 year old trees is not going to be healthy mm -hmm. in the future it's crazy Parts how, how involved be, humans have to be in, yes. in actually managing we do we the, do the yeah it's and it's strange to one end but it works mm. on the other. So somehow, you know, if we talk about the forest we were talking about before, 300 years ago, the old growth, you know, eight foot diameter trees, 10 foot diameter mm -hmm. trees. These massive, <laughs> yeah. basically what, what uh, the California redwood yeah, looks like. Yeah, very similar to that. You know, it's a very, very different thing. It wouldn't, you know, the, the people coming and being involved and having the infrastructure we have, it's not going to remain, mm -hmm. you know? So we, we want to work with it. Yeah is is kind of the ecological it's very symbiotic yeah. yeah and it needs to be yeah. we need there are people here and we need to to find the f place for people yeah. too yeah. yeah it's kind of it's a really neat era of state parks yeah. um and the laurel highlands hiking trail kind of even more unique in that we have so many landscapes so yeah. we're on top of the ridge we're down at the <laughs> river yeah we can we can bring different things in and and we welcome backpackers and day hikers and people use the trail for different reasons the runners yeah. that are out here um, so there's all kinds of different people using it there's plenty of hunters out here too all right so we just got done talking to a couple of backpackers actually from uh, Minneapolis one guy was yeah, in Minnesota yeah. and they they came from Pittsburgh they parked a car in Ohio pal and uh, drove out here to Seward to hike the Laurel Highlands hiking trail all 70 miles of it yes that's awesome that was that was what luck that we got we, to talk to them right ran into through hikers we're seeing more and more through hikers coming through which is great um, those fellas seem to you know seem like they're ready to they do they had a good plan yeah absolutely um, fit they've got maps on them um, but it is something, you know, we recommend to folks anytime you're thinking about planning a hike, even if it's just, you know, we have eight overnight areas along the way. Okay. So you could make, you could do a one-nighter, you could do a three-nighter, you could do seven nights if you like, you know, you can, it really, you can stretch it out, you can skip some of them, you can keep going. But what we recommend is just make sure you know your route before you go. Mm -hmm. um, and anytime you want to help make plans for a route, like which, which area is a good one to skip, you know, I'm in really good shape, I could do a 15 mile day, where do you think I should push a little further? We can help um, work through some of those decisions. Also That's using really our map. Yeah, the elevation profile on our map is a big help. Yeah, and we can also just like we were talking with those folks about, you know, we can tell you some spots for it. A nice quick off the trail to grab a hot meal if you right. like to, to have a meal prepared for you rather than making it in your shelter. <laughs> um, rather than eating rice and pop tarts and slim gyms. Exactly, to take a break from that. That is the nice thing. Um, the Laurel Highlands hiking trail, although it's it's pretty primitive, mm -hmm. uh, pretty rustic, but our shelter areas have each of them has five Adirondack style shelters with fireplaces in them. So um, is that um what, what what does that look like? So there it's going to be like a lean-to, like okay. an Adirondack style lean-to. So okay. it's it's so kind three of a, walls and an open face. Yep. And well, the open face in ours would be the fireplace. Oh. So it's kind of nice. Oh, yeah. that's, that is really nice. Yeah. The I've one, stayed in lean-tos before that were just the, the three walls and, a, and a, just the open there's spot. a fire pit in yes. front of it. Yeah. So we have tenting areas as well. So each shelter can hold four to five people. Um, they're really affordable. It's only for a Pennsylvania resident, it's $4 per night plus a transaction fee. Okay. Um, and then for a, a non-Pennsylvania resident, it's five. So pretty affordable. Oh, that affordable is really affordable. Stand. We do our best to provide firewood when we can, but with the increase, I know you, your other well, yeah. podcasts have talked about this yeah. as well, <laughs> but the increase in visitation has made it really hard. So what we focus on now is basically we want to try and get the, the, the firewood there by Thanksgiving yeah. when things start really getting cold and then kind of keep that through. We can't provide firewood in the summer months any longer. Okay. Um, we just don't have the manpower to do it. And I was going to say, I, I know that's kind of always a struggle for any kind of 
conservation group run through the state, through the country, you know, through the federal government is there's just never enough of you. Right. (laughs) There just never is. Thinking about how vast this landscape is, how big this park actually is. So for me this morning, my office is at Laurel Hill. Mm -hmm. So it took me an hour and 10 minutes to get here this morning, you know, and I'm still in the park that I work at. Yeah. So it is really, so when you think about bringing a dump truck full of firewood, that's a significant (laughs) amount of time. Um, so we're doing our best. What we want to do, you can take any wood that's deadened down mm-hmm. to, to do a fire, and you'll find plenty. I of mean, there's there. plenty. Just walking across this side of the trail, yes. you can see so Absolutely. many downed trees that have already been yep. cut. Yep, but what we do, um, something we're definitely pushing. Ow, 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 I found thorns. Okay, we're good. <laughs> a little green briar, yeah. Um, something that we're definitely getting more, more specific about. Um, um, enforcing a lot stronger on the trail is that you have to have prior reservations. Like yes. the fellas we just spoke with, they mm-hmm. knew what night they're staying where. And that's super important. It, we require prior reservations if you're staying overnight. And you can find that just on the DCNR website, correct? Perfect. Yep, yep. You can go right in to, to make a reservation online. And I think it's, um, is it dcnr.gov? Dot PA.gov. PA.gov. Yes. Okay. Yep. And you can do visit PA parks as well. Okay. Um, yeah. And basically, if you Google Laurel Ridge State Park, it's yeah. going to pop up for you. Yeah. But as far as reservations go, you can only do that online? Online, or you can call Laurel Ridge State Park. Ah, and gotcha. sometimes, you know, do it either way. It's yeah. tricky because it's a really big park. If you're confused at all, please call our staff. Mm-hmm. They'll help you. Um, walk you right through the process and get you figured out. You will need to know where you're going to park. Only some places are appropriate for overnight parking, mm-hmm. and they can help with that as well. Okay. What about uh, the sewer trout head that we started from? Is that okay for overnight parking? Sure is. Oh, yeah. that's great. Absolutely. Well, I guess that, that makes sense. It's at the farthest end here. <laughs> yes, exactly. Both ends of the trail. The other parking um, in Ohio Pile um, is a bit off the trail um, right at the Yakagini River. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's a neat, you know, any other time, though, that you're out here, it is free of charge. One great thing about Pennsylvania State Parks, <laughs> free and open for everyone. Yep. That, that is a great note yes. because I think it's so needed. And, it and that's just coming from me. That's, you know, really awesome because I, I love conservation. I love naturalism. John Muir is one of my favorite authors, one of my favorite people. Uh, you know, I made it the whole way through the Ken Burns documentary on uh, yes. on national parks. And <laughs> yeah, me too. Absolutely. <laughs> and oh, I guess uh, Stephen Mather, I th- think. Yeah, I think it's Stephen Mather. He was like the prototype for national park rangers. Oh, nice. He was the one that actually wore the wide brimmed hat. Right. And right. that's the reason that uh, that all park rangers wear it now. Today, yeah. Right? <laughs> that's excellent. Yeah. Let me it just is a great hold job. on. Cool. I just uh, I stopped to, to make sure I was right here, and I, I was Stephen Mather, and he was the first director of the National Park Service. I think he actually made his I don't I don't want to call it a fortune. He made a good bit of money, I think, selling borax soap. Nice. <laughs> it's an important. It is a very useful thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then he got into to conservation, and um, you know he he was the one that kind of developed the uniform for a national park ranger yeah because up until that point it was the army's job to police the parks it is it really is um an exciting job and it's neat in pennsylvania we're very well supported again we talked about our parks being free you know unless you're being charged for overnight accommodations which is Um, super cheap yeah but it's also (laughs) a place to make a career both my husband and I work for parks yeah. in very different capacities, but we're well supported in our legislature. Um, the people oh, that's of good Pennsylvania, to hear. yeah, the people of Pennsylvania love parks, um, and and they've they've said that loud and clear. <laughs> um, it's a big part of the the tourism dollars in Pennsylvania. Yeah. is our our state parks and our state forests and our game lands. Um, so it's it's nice that we can make careers out here that is fantastic yeah. and i mean you know there's just not enough of you guys <laughs> in, in any capacity certainly and, and I, uh, there are lots of folks that want to get into it as well and i know you know sometimes there's this misnomer that it's impossible and it definitely is not um, you just got to be dedicated <laughs> you do and you have to you know meet people spend some time volunteering in parks mm-hmm. kind of learn how the whole process works and that'll be really helpful 
Um, and you know, one thing the pandemic has taught us is that we need outdoor space. Yes. So I, you know, I suspect we will continue to to need folks to work in those outdoor spaces too. <laughs> we can only hope here. Yes, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> you know that that is one of the benefits of of the COVID nineteen pandemic is just showing us how important recreation, outdoor recreation is. Yes. And how simple it can be. Right. I mean, you know, we've been out here uh, for a little. Well, probably about an hour. Right. And it's just wonderful. It it's is. great. Exercise. It's good for you. And it's, it's good for, I always say, uh, hiking's good for the soul. It is. Because you know, you're away from civilization. You're away from your phone ringing and the TV's on and the, the notifications from <laughs> social media. You're just out here in the quiet with nothing but trees and animals surrounding Yeah, and, and the simplicity of one foot in front of another. You know, you can go as far as you'd like to go or, or you know, maybe not. Maybe today is just a half mile. Yeah. Um, but it might just be what you need to, to make the day a better day. Oh, the, we were talking about the backpackers. Maybe think of my first trip. Uh, again, up in Clarion uh, with a friend of mine, Nate, who he's the one that got me into hiking in general. Nice. And... Uh, you know, he, he went with me whenever I bought my first pair of hiking boots. Um, and I had this old duffel bag style backpack that my uncle had given me. It was like orange camo color. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we hiked uh, the Baker Trail okay. out there. Yeah. And just did like a few miles in, set up along the Clarion River for the night and then hiked out the next day. But like so many people, I was terribly underprepared <laughs> and it was the end of October. Yeah. So yeah. it dropped like 25 degrees that night. I'm sleeping in a hammock yeah. <laughs> and it is freezing outside. And for anybody who's never slept in the woods, let me tell you, every little twig that breaks <laughs> is it. a terrifying sound. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's so exciting to have people out and using our parks and particularly taking the step to stay overnight and, yeah. you know, in these kind of remote shelter areas. Um, but it is worth learning a bit about what you're getting yourself yes. into. Um, having decent equipment that mm -hmm. fits you well, um, good boots, yes. it can make or break a trip. Mm -hmm. um, so not only for safety reasons, but for your own comfort while you're out there, you're going to enjoy it a lot more if you're ready. And, that, and that's something initially that I didn't really understand whenever I got into hiking is that you've got to look at this as an investment into a hobby. Yes. You know, you, you want this stuff, these, you know, the pants, the, the shirts, the boots, the backpack, the, all that stuff to last you for years. Yes. You it don't want to have to investment. buy it again in right. two years. <laughs> right. And something that we do, and I can't wait to get back to it as we start to, to move into a little bit of normal and we do um, backpacking trips. We offer them on the Laurel oh, that's really Hiking cool. Trail. Yeah, we call them becoming a backpacker. So okay. we give you that opportunity. Now again, the gear may not fit you perfectly, but we have <laughs> the gear for free. Oh, no um, way. You pay a small fee for using that, and we provide the food as well um, to kind of give you that experience. So you go out with us um, for that first trip when you go out you're gonna spend some money acquiring your equipment. Mm -hmm. So give it a try and make sure it's something for you if you'd like. It's fun to, yes. to meet others who are doing this for the first time. Right. We typically do one um, for women only. We do it over Mother's Day. Okay. Which is um, usually over Mother's Day weekend. And then we try to do one in early June. Um, pretty much welcome anyone who might wanna get out and give it a try. We don't do a super significant, you know, a really difficult part of the trail because the first time you put that heavy pack on your back, <laughs> you might not recognize quite how heavy it is. Yeah, you um, put on a probably 15, 20 pounds and you think, oh, at least, 10 miles is yeah, nothing yeah. until you get two miles in. Right. <laughs> and depending on the time of year, we talk a lot about um, accessing water along the trail, mm, how much that's water so you should crucial. carry with you. Yeah, I mean, right now, you might, we've recently had rain, you might be able to find some water. Um, but, but it's so important in to purify that too. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, we don't have the uh, the opportunity to just drink out of the streams around here. No, <laughs> there is, and I could share plenty of stories that you don't want to no. hear about what may, might be in the stream upstream. <laughs> Even though the water looks clean and probably is clean, you never know I have, what's uh, happening upstream. Oh man, I can't think of what it's called. A, a stick? Yeah. 
or something. Yeah. It's just a, a little UV light that you put in, stir around right. for about a minute, two minutes. Yeah. And it, it purifies all of those microorganisms and bacteria. You got it. Yeah. And that's a simple, it's very small. Mm-hmm. Um, Super lightweight. Right. There's others. Life Straw is another one that's pretty affordable. Yes. Um, that you can you can use. We use ones that for groups of backpacking too. We have larger ones that will pump out of the stream. Um, oh, and then neat. even at the shelter areas, there is water and pit latrines. Oh, which is nice. Yeah. So we that's, do. It's so like a four-star resort. For I know <laughs> for backpacking. That's why it's great for first timers. Why we want to do these becoming a backpacker programs. Mm-hmm. Not only because we have the mile markers, which does help you to stay on pace, know where you are. Mm-hmm. We have that along the trail. But then we also have some pretty swanky accommodations. You really do. Um, that's... <laughs> you know, even though you really are, you're definitely out there. But having a pit latrine, access to water, the water that is there is not potable. So you okay. do want to make sure you treat that as well. I... Yeah, but we're, I can't wait to get back to those programs. They're some of the best I've ever done. Um, we've done some with high school groups. We've done some with wounded warriors. Um, they've been some of the best experiences of my career. That's awesome. Time on this trail for sure. <laughs> All right, Kim. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate you coming out here and, and hiking with me and providing Absolutely. this amazing information. You know, it's always appreciated. Um, anything else to add? No, not at all. I would just add, um, reach out okay. if you have questions. Um, you know, state parks are, are for everyone, not just the <laughs> residents of Pennsylvania, but visitors too. And we really are happy to um, share some of our expertise or help give best advice. Um, yeah, we're, we're glad folks are out here. All right. Well, hey, thanks again. Thank you. That wraps up our episode of Hiking the Highlands. For more Tribune Democrat podcasts, visit www.tribdem.com backslash podcasts. Have a suggestion? Want to get in touch? You can email me at jbyers at tribdem.com. You can also follow me on Twitter. My handle is journo underscore josh. 